The world's most advanced color correction tool for Mac just got more powerful. DaVinci Resolve from Blackmagic Design. With XML import, export, multi-layered timelines, curve grading, noise reduction, stabilization, 3D alignment, OpenCL, and more. DaVinci Resolve is available from $995. Current users can download the updates for free. And try DaVinci Resolve Lite, a reduced featured version that's still packed with power. Visit www.blackmagicdesign.com. This episode is also brought to you by Screenlight.tv. Screenlight.tv is a video review and approval service for the post-production industry. Post-production teams can now easily share videos and production files with clients worldwide. Utilize their project management and team collaboration tools that include asset management, frame-accurate video feedback, proactive security, and more. All at a price that won't break your production's budget. Use the video review and approval service trusted by post professionals throughout the world. Screenlight.tv Screenlight.tv Upload anything, get feedback, and finish projects faster. What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, I'm your host Gordon Burkell, and in this episode, well if you haven't heard of this, Adam Epstein is doing a tour. Adam Epstein is the editor of SNL, and he joined me here in Toronto just before his tour date to sit down and discuss everything from editing commercials to editing for SNL to the actual tour. So in this episode, we're going to tackle some of the tour, and we're going to tackle a bit of, uh, well we, we sort of go over several things because what's interesting about this talk is we don't really stay on topic we kind of go off and talk about various things we're definitely going to discuss the tour so what i need you to do is if you're interested in seeing him talk he's going to 30 something cities 32 cities he's already done two of them so you got to go to cuttingedgetour.com check it out sign up if you're interested if you can't make it during the day portion you can go to the night portion it's just 79 bucks and uh, i went to the whole thing checked it out and I'm going to do a write-up about it in uh, in a couple days. So you should see that any day this week. Uh, before we get into this interview with Adam, make sure to join me in LA for our pub night. Go to AOTG.com and look in the right-hand side to get your ticket. It's free. It's just a place for us to all hang out. Toronto killed it. We had 140 people uh, and just blew away every expectation for Toronto. But with that said, I- I've held you off here enough. Here's part one of my interview with Adam Epstein. In my early research, it's... Uh, you went to UCLA, mm-hmm. and you did the comedy troupe or the comedy sort of um, group. Yeah, there was a. Uh, it wasn't necessarily like a, a specifically formed thing beforehand. Some some guys that were there started, and some girls that were there started. So there was like a backstory. There was you know a, a student broadcast network that was kind of sitting there doing nothing, and the shows that were on it were very dry, like you know, campus news, and here's the new pizza. On the, this point, like, no, we should do like a s- sketch comedy show. We have these resources. Why not? So yeah, so I was started on that uh, during the first year. That started up, and you know, everyone's producing and writing and shooting and editing their own stuff. So that was kind of you know, learning the importance of how to make things with other people and weird timelines with no money. And uh, you watch it now, and it's like embarrassingly painful. But you know, um, but yeah, that was. Is it because were you? Because in the, the article I was reading, you said you did a lot of writing for that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like you do a lot of writing for the Tribeca group, the blog. Yeah, I wish I could do yeah. more. Yeah. Um, but is that is that something you're into? Is that... Yeah, I, I mean, I like to see, and like, the, 
I think one of the things like at the show that's fun is I try to like when we're working on stuff, it's constantly trying to be adding more value to what's already a great script. So you know, so I like if you're thinking of editorial like almost as like another step of writing and just like writing on top of it, it's going to make you know the writers look better. And you know, if you because you're just trying to you know almost do editorial punch up. If that makes sense. So if it's like a great joke, but you come up with like a smart sound effect that would go under that, or you know, the director has an idea that you can you know make it a little bit better. Like, they guess that that just makes everyone look better, and you know, you're bringing something else to it. Where, because again, that brings up sort of something that I'm sure you probably get asked a lot. But where, where do you start in your involvement in the creative process? Because I feel like yes, there are writers, right. but it seems like everyone's allowed to be a part of that input process. Sure. Well, I mean, so the, the timeline on the show, um, so everything's written Tuesday night. The writers stay up until, you know, the sun comes up basically writing every script for that week. And I think a lot of times people, they they uh, don't realize the fact that, you know, SNL is basically like starting from scratch every single week, um, which is just a testament to how amazing and insane uh, the people that work on it are. Uh, so Wednesday is the read-through, and that's where uh, all the cast and the crew and the writers and the directors and the producers go through, and they read through every sketch. And that starts in, like, the, the early afternoon. And then from those, like, that's where all the sketches for the show are picked. And from those, there'll be, like, a couple that'll be more, you know, kind of film-centric pieces. And um, I'll usually get an email from production or from Reese or uh, our producer, Justice, um, uh, like six o'clock, seven o'clock on Wednesday with the script that we're most likely going to be doing. And they start in earnest on pre-production. Um, so they basically have Wednesday night and Thursday to pre-produce everything. So that's locations, permits, casting, as far as extras, wardrobe, hair. It, it's amazing. And I, I try to emphasize, emphasize it as much as possible. Like, I, whatever I do is only... Like, the only reason it looks good is at the end of the day, you have these people who are doing this insane turnaround and, and making stuff out of thin air. It's unbelievable. Um, I mean, they're doing it's full Broadway film, feature style productions in like a day. What they, what they put together is just unreal. So, when I get the scripts, like Wednesday night, I'll usually have a conversation with Reese about like, you know, especially if it's, if it's a straight kind of parody piece or like a tone type of thing. He'll talk about, he'll tell me things that he's kind of thinking about. Like, you know, if it's a, uh, like an action trailer, he'll be like, okay, so let's, let's I'm thinking something like a Tony Scott type of thing. Um, so then that'll also be going on while he's having conversations with our DP, Alex Bono, as far as like, okay, here are like the main beats that we want to be mapping out. Here's the type of style we want to hit. And he'll send me like a bunch of references as far as, you know, tone. So I'll start looking at that and then I'll kind of break down the script on my own and start to pull, just to get ahead of the game if possible, kind of pull sound effects, um, pull some like potential music cues because it, usually the script doesn't, it'll say something like, you know, kicks into, you know, happy music. You know, that could be, okay. and so we start pulling stuff and then kind of try to map out in my head like where I see potential kind of turns and, and, and beats coming on. Um, the thing is, you know, once once the footage starts coming in you start seeing it like sometimes like it's good to go in with a plan but you have to always be ready to just throw that out completely like if that's not working so yeah so I don't see footage depending on the shoot until uh, Friday 
you know, late afternoon, or if it's a later shoot, I'll be on set starting to assemble as like as they're breaking camera, um, and then usually Friday work until like two or three in the morning. Sometimes they're still shooting, and then. Now you were saying that yesterday when we were talking that Thirty Rock has like small hotel rooms or places. There's just for just like within that area because it's such a popular tourist yeah. destination. There's like um, you know some. Uh, small little kind of hotels that depending uh, if it's necessary. Sometimes if we have time, like uh, I'll go home and get some sleep, but oftentimes it just, from a time perspective, it's a lot easier just to sleep crash over. there <laughs> and then walk across the street and start up again the next morning. I was thinking it was going to be like, uh, like I know the Canadian Royal Canadian Ballet, they have two or three apartments that they own. Oh, really? And the idea is if someone's in town and they can't, same thing, like they're working right. over, they just go over there and they sleep. That's that's smart. I should. They, <laughs> I know. I knew I should have been a dancer. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, <laughs> Damn I, these ugly legs. <laughs> I know, man. I know. My plie was never that good, unfortunately. No, the because um, you talk about timing is getting the tone correct. So with that fast of a turnaround, and you sort of hinted at that, you know, you have the plan, but it might not work. Yeah. Um, so when something's not working, like I think in, in particular, I'm thinking about timing and pacing and rhythm. Um, because you're working with comedians who have their own, like, like when I look at the Louis C.K., he has a very specific delivery. Yep. And when I look at, you know, Adam uh, Sandberg, he's almost like hyperactive, you know, so if these two characters, which they weren't, but if, if characters of different sort of deliveries are in there and it's right. not working, how do you sort of work with the footage to get uh, the most out of it? Or, right. I mean, I think... Sort of as an aside to that question, you know, a lot of times people will say, like, oh man, why is that piece that you guys did, why is that so funny? Or I want to I wanna make my stuff funnier. And oftentimes what I say is like, well, it's funny because that's Bill Hader. <laughs> and that's Fred Armisen. Yeah. And that's Taryn Killam. And that's Kate McKinnon. Like, oftentimes, you know, perform the, these people are some of the most talented comedic actors, period. Um, so if if it ends up not being funny because I got in the way of it, like that's my fault. Yeah. So I try to, uh, you know, let people who are really good at what they do, like let that performance come through. Um, and then, you know, as far as from, from a rhythmic perspective, I think it's a, we've been working together for so long, like the group that we work with. So we have kind of like a, like an unspoken language as far as if we know or like if I know Reese thinks something's working or anticipating kind of where he wants to go with stuff. Because um, at the I mean, at the end of the day, like I think a lot of editors, not that they forget, not good editors realize that like you are enabling the, the, the vision of the director and the producer that you're working with and working for. And ideally you get to a point and I think, you know, I'm lucky enough to be working with a team that, you know, we're all very trusting and whatever and like what we're each bringing to it but i don't know as far as you know as far as like i said get out of the way of the people who are really good and then try to just kind of add another layer of something on top of it so i like to do stuff you know if we're doing just from like a, a very kind of technical breakdown of something right so if we're doing like a like a promo style piece and you know there's a punch line that bobby moynihan is hitting like I'll do, you know, a piece of sound design that's really going to punch that line. Mm -hmm. So like line, line, line. He has a little bit of a pause, symbol, build up, build, build. Everything drop out, line, boom, kicking hard. 
So just like to kind of shape like a bed around what a punchline is going to be, if that's the style of what it is. If it's, you know, a more traditional dialogue scene, just let it play yeah, realistically. Play, play and, yeah, so it's all, I mean, it's all kind of context-based depending on, you know, what, what type of piece it is. And that's just where we have so many different yeah. styles of pieces that we work on. Would you say there's, um, and I hate using the word rules because it sort of locks people in, but right. like uh, guides for cutting comedy? I don't know. Um, I wouldn't say rules. I think, again, my first Yeah, it's suggestion. a terrible word to no, use. No, no, totally. But my first suggestion would be have funny people that are in it. <laughs> uh, so just sit back and enjoy the ride. <laughs> have, uh, you know, that, that like, people say, oh, you know, I need this camera and I need these plugins and I need this system. If you want something to be good, be shooting great people and great actors. I mean, that's, that's going to let you, you know, be able to get away with so much, you know, and have people be like, oh, that was great work. I'm like, oh, thank you, but <laughs> they're amazing. Um, well, it's like, I, I always get frustrated when people are like, what system do you cut on? Because it, it's so, like, um, whenever a student asks me, I'm always like, it's completely irrelevant, because if you go to the cinema, no one's going to walk out and be like, dude, that was so cut on an app. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That looked like a light works. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I'll say, and I talk about this, um, in, in the workshop, you know, we cut on Premiere because for our specific timeline and our workflow, it lets us get more done in the time we have. That being said, if what you're working on, you know, if Final Cut 10 makes more sense to you, or if a Media 100 makes more sense to you, awesome, great, that's, use it, makes, that's totally great, you know? Uh, just because you have, you know, Microsoft Word, you're not gonna write a, a great next, book. Yeah. It's like it's like one of the things I said. You know, he was an okay writer when he had Word perfect, yeah. but then he got Word and he became a much better writer. That usually doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. So you know, whatever whatever you feel the most comfortable with that allows you to get your work done. And um, how did because you you, re, you talked about uh, Reese? How did you and Reese meet and and get in, and start working together? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a. Uh, I think people, they, they sometimes give less credence to luck and right place, right time than it deserves. They say, oh, you know, you make your own luck. I don't think that's the case. I think if an opportunity presents itself that's a lucky opportunity, like take a hold of that and then make yourself indispensable because of that. Uh, that being said, you know, I knew Reese socially before we started working together. Um, I had done commercial jobs where... Uh, his wife, who is a, t a very, very talented post producer, um, she worked in very high-end uh, commercial posts, and now she's the post soup uh, on the movie that he directed. Um, so I had worked on jobs with people that she knew, and we had all, you know, known each other socially. And um, there was an opportunity at the show uh, where so Reese was the producer at the time, and uh, uh, James Signorelli, uh, who is the film unit director since the show started. So every classic. You know, commercial parody, you know, little chocolate donuts, colon blow, like all this dude. Pretty amazing. Um, Schlitzke or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm going to like how sitting. Uh, yeah. Um, He's like, whoa. Yeah. They flip, yeah, sunglasses flip up twice. Classic stuff. Um, but so, yeah, so basically, you know, Reese, it's funny thing, like in, in retrospect now, like knowing kind of what goes into it in the timeline, like the fact that he even said, yeah, come give this a try is insane. Uh, 
but you know it worked out and nothing uh, exploded and uh, you know yeah it's in, entirely due to him uh, you know taking a chance on me and saying okay maybe this will work out and so far it's been good we haven't uh, haven't missed a deadline yet so now can you actually miss a deadline or would it just be like um, I mean, we've been we've been very close before. Yeah. Alex uh, Bono he wrote a really great uh, blog post, kind of doing the the breakdown of the shooting and then the sort of delivery on like the, the Wes Anderson horror piece mm-hmm. that we worked on. I mean, that we played, we were basically playing that almost live to air. It was like you know, twenty seconds ahead of the live broadcast. Um, I don't even like to think about what would happen if we missed, but I mean, basically, you know, where we have to get it to. The control room to be, you know, delivered to the NOC, or they they play it out basically to um, the command center. Uh, I should probably know the technical name for it. Um, anywho, if we like, they'll give us like a drop dead time yeah. where if they don't have something, they can they'll they can run the dress rehearsal, but oftentimes the dress rehearsal is a little longer, so that would mess up the timing of the show, and you know people. Rightfully so, there's always notes between dress and air, yeah. so you'd be playing the piece that people didn't want to play again, um, or they usually have a uh, like a, a backup uh, you know, kind of piece ready to go. I mean, and, and again, I'd like to emphasize too that like Saturday Night Live is still at its core. It's a, it is a live show that is being done in front of a live audience in real time. Yeah. And the film pieces, uh, as much fun as they are, they exist mm-hmm. as... A bridge, uh, you know, for the live show. So between, like, one of the my favorite thing about seeing the show live is seeing the like the ballet of how incredible the stage hands are. As far as the tiny set, it's it's like, crazy. It's yeah. multiple locations and the way yeah. that they break down and move sets and you know a, a, a sketch ends and the cast is like literally sprinting off and yeah. going into into uh, their changing rooms and changing clothes and then putting on a wig and it's madness. And uh, the fact that it operates as smoothly as it does within the chaos of it is incredible. But the film pieces, um, they, their main service is to allow there to be, you know, a break for the audience. Yeah. Yeah. For the audience to watch something while they're changing sets. Um, So yeah. There was uh, there's one thing that I was reading uh, before I came here. And you were saying that uh, sometimes to get a look, you'll do, to get a specific look, you'll do a telsony or you'll um, send it to the colorist. And then you said in one or two occasions, you've output it to VHS. Yeah. So there was, I just thought I would, because I read that and it made me laugh. We did a, we did a, a piece this year uh, called uh, Zap. It was basically kind of a making, looking at like an, a fake Nickelodeon kid show from the 90s. Um, and like then the joke was basically that uh, the reason that you know, it was such a high energy thing was because uh, the producer, you know, was feeding the kids speed basically. And as it progresses, you know, everyone on the show is doing speed. So like the cameraman's doing speed and the editor's doing speed. So, you know, as it ramps up, like the last part of the show you see is just like insanity because like it's cut as if the editor was on speed and graphics are everywhere and whatever. But, you know, that was shot on, I think we shot that either on uh, Alexa or Red Epic. I, I really don't remember off the top of my head. But, you know, so the host footage of the modern day stuff is beautiful. And then the stuff of the kids is, you know, 4-3 letterbox, like, looks just like garbage. Yeah. And I was talking to someone after, I was like, oh, what was the, after, like, what was the plug-in that you used to get it to look terrible? Like, it's the same camera. We just did the cut, 
and then laid the whole thing off to VHS and then brought the whole thing back in and then just cut in the VHS and it's unbelievable how bad VHS looks now. There's like a there's a there's a, a graphic in the bottom right. It's like a Nickelodeon uh, kind of bug that when you're looking at the full res, it's like just crystal clear and super yeah. sharp and the letters are right there and then you take back in the VHS and you look at it and you cannot read a letter. It just looks like a big like orange blob basically. And that's what we used to watch all our movies on when it's, we rented. It's, it's unreal. Yeah, I remember, I remember like the first time like you saw a DVD and you're like, oh my god, this is incredible. And now you watch a DVD and like, this looks, yeah. this looks terrible. Like, yeah. Do you ever get into the Blu-ray phase? Um, I've never owned a Blu-ray player personally, but, uh... I couldn't, I could I'm like, I, I just feel it's going to go to the internet, and there's no point yeah, in it, buying again. Yeah. But I, I remember, like, when I was, when I kind of first started in commercial posts, I was there right at the transition. Uh, it was, a, like, from a, just a learning perspective, it was a really good time to be working, uh, in post-production in general. I was right there when, every, when it was really starting to go film to digital. Mm -hmm. So, like... And this was like right when, when HD was kind of starting to be a thing too. When people talk about like 4K workflows being hard, when HD came out, that was the biggest pain in the ass in the entire world. Like the 4K now is so, I think, much smoother. It's not really that different from working with HD. It's just a bigger file and a bigger timeline, whatever. Um, but I remember uh, like we would have conversations about like someday, someday you're going to be able to just go online and watch streaming HD video and I remember like thinking like that's impossible look how big these files are how are they ever going to be able to stream something that looks halfway decent over the internet and now that's just like pull up your phone and you, know, it's, you said you were you started at a commercial house uh, so what, what was it you did there and you know how did you sort of transition from commercials to yeah. SNL? so well I so before that I started initially in in promos like on air you know kind of promotional editorial um, which you know a lot of people kind of look at as less than, uh, just because of you know the subject matter and it's short form and you're working on stuff that's already cut. I thought it was great from a learning experience as far as like being able to take what isn't good footage and fashion something out of it and learn. Like you really do learn a lot about sound design and rhythm and even if it's for like you know a 30 second promo, it's like how do you build up a quick bed and how do you like understand like a pause and then a kick in, you know all that type of stuff. Um, but that was all, you know, just kind of, you know, tape video based. And then when I got a chance to work in commercial posts, I started out as a, an assistant editor. Um, and that was like the real kind of workflow post film school, especially because we were still shooting on film um, and understanding then how to work with multiple houses and like really understanding the importance of being organized and buttoned up and working clean. But because, you know, again, we were working on film, we would be doing you know, cut lists that had to go to a negative cutter and then you're in a telecine room where it's 1200 bucks an hour. So if you forgot a shot, not <laughs> good, not good. So um, that was just a real, you know, real world education and that type of stuff. And I also got to work with just great older editors. Where is your freedom in it? Because I always feel like they send you, here's the, you know, the shot list, here's the boards, boards and everything. And are you supposed to follow it? you know, verbatim and just, and then show it to them and then start tweaking it? Or is it? I think it's both. I mean, and, and like I was saying, I got to, I got to work with and see how some really great editors did that. Uh, the guy that I really enjoyed kind of learning from the most is this guy, Rob Watsky. He was the dude in like the late eighties and nineties who did 
every famous Nike commercial, every Michael Jordan, Mars Blackman, Spike Lee spot, uh, all the Charles Barkley, like I am not a role model. Uh, his like his historical reel is just it's it's insane, um, and so you see kind of how you know obviously because you're dealing with clients, you're dealing with an agency and a director, like it was shot a certain way and boarded a certain way, obviously. So you definitely have that as a starting point, but then it's what are you bringing or how can you bring something like a little more to it that either changes it in a way that is better that they enjoy more or takes what was their idea and just like you know pluses it up a bit mm -hmm. um i mean you definitely have a jumping off point but you know it doesn't in the boards i think even if you have something boarded out like it doesn't say okay like the boards are stills you know mm -hmm. that, that that has nothing to do with the actual the flow or the motion you know of a cut or uh, of the way something builds, or of the way something's paced. So you have that as you know, kind of a, a framework that you're working within, maybe. But then it's figuring out how to you know take that framework and make it actually viable and interesting, like in motion. Um, so yes, I think it's a balance, definitely. Do you think uh, that sort of because you said, um, and I, you know, it was funny because you said people have seen it as less than the promos, the mm -hmm. PRs. Do you think that's changing in the recent years? Because I feel like because the internet demands more interaction and more yep. creativity do you see things changing in the pr world uh i mean i hope so i think like like anything you know even just because something's say it's like a, you know a 15 second promo for some weird bravo reality something or other like there's still a craft to making something like that like those things just don't make themselves um and i think like at the show you know like when we're doing something like that we're and we're jumping back and forth like between styles like i think and one of the things that like i i try to talk to people about is like when you're watching something don't just like let it kind of wash over you like if you want to understand like how to make something you have to understand like the bones and the structure of what like what it is so you what know, makes you laugh basically. yeah so yeah. What, either what makes you laugh or like what like, you know a lot of times people will say like um like i really liked i liked that well why did well like why did you like it i liked it because it was good like that's that's a, a top level way of like looking at something, but if you really get into you know the aesthetics and like the bones of what makes something what it is, then you can start to kind of break it down and realize, okay, I like that because uh, I really like the way that you know uh, the pace of the cut built up to a certain point, and then there was like a breath, and then like there was an interesting look, and then like it moved back in. So then you can if you can like get into the aesthetics of something. Um, you know, I think it, it, it lets you then be able to kind of do that when you're working on your own stuff. Uh, like for me, a lot of times the reason I like a scene or like, or a song, it's because of like one, like one specific cool moment or the way that they do, the way that like a lyric is sung or the way that, you know, they use a, like a head turn on a cut or something. So that was part one of my interview with Adam. Now... I've got to give a big special thanks to Andre for uh, taking the time to cut this for us because he's been doing a lot for us this this uh, couple weeks. And of course, if you're going to be out in LA, make sure to join us. It's uh, at the Fox and Hounds and you can check it out at AOTG.com and just look for the pub tour list on the right hand side. It's been a pretty big success this year, so we're actually planning a bigger tour next year uh, with more stops. So check that out. Uh, so again, I'm going to wrap this up. I want to thank MZ. Congratulate Adam on a great tour so far. And uh, I'd also like to thank my producer, Lauren Woodcock, and of course, Andre for cutting this. I'm Gordon Burkell. 
Thanks for listening.